Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us today is Christopher McFadden. He is the president, CEO, and director of NX Gold, where the focus is on high-grade gold in world-class districts. Mr. McFadden, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. Mr. McFadden, for someone new to the story, who is NX Gold and what is the thesis you're attempting to prove? Well, NX Gold is a uh, relatively new junior uh, gold explorer listed on the TSX. We are looking to make significant discoveries in good mining jurisdictions of high-grade gold, large volumes of high-grade gold that we could uh, eventually convert into uh, mining operations to improve and increase shareholder value. Sir, let's discuss NX Gold's project portfolio beginning in Western Australia with Mount Rowe. Where in Western Australia is Mount Rowe located? So the, our projects in Western Australia are in uh, a region called the Pilbara. Now, I, I think probably some of your, or a lot of your listeners would be aware of the Pilbara region in Western Australia. Uh, Western Australia is obviously a very large state uh, in Australia. Uh, the Pilbara is, I suppose you'd say, the uh, northern Western Australia, not quite all the way to the top. Um, it's about 1,500 kilometres north of Perth. Uh, we're not far from the coast. There's a, a, a fairly large rural town called Karratha on the coast, and we're 30 kilometres to the south of Karratha. Now, how many hectares is Mount Rowe, and what type of lithology is prevalent there? Look, it's a, a relatively small uh, project area. We have two blocks. Uh, the total land package is 1,200 hectares. Um, in terms of the lithology, it, there's look, there's lots of different uh, basalt flows and, in some cases, some felsic flows that, are in, that have been interpreted to be eroded and then covered with various sequences of the row-style sediments and basalt flows. Uh, what I say to people is that this, this part of the, the world's crust is some of the oldest uh, rocks uh, that are known on the planet. Some of these rocks, I believe, are you know, two to three billion years old. And it's, it's perhaps like, a bit like a deck of cards that uh, have been shuffled and moved and <clears throat> uh, changed over the, the, the time, over time and over geological history. So it's, it's quite a complex uh, geological setting. Um, in, in our, in our, on our project area. Now, sir, it may be too early to determine, but would you define Mount Rowe as a placer deposit? And if yes, what does that mean for shareholders? Look, uh, look it probably is too early to say. Um, I think it's fair to say that the project area has potential for um, the, the paleoplacer-style mineralization. But it, it's, it's, it is too early to determine if it's uh, you know, the dominant style on, on the property. An interesting point and, and something that, is of, that will be of interest to shareholders is that our geologists have recently um, been focused on um, an older interpreted epithermal type vein mineralisation on the property as well that, that may have been the source of um, <clears throat> the recently announced stream sediments anomalies. I think it was the 8th of August we put out a release showing um, some of the, the findings of some stream sediment work that we've, we've done. And, and we'll probably talk about the nuggets 
uh, <clears throat> uh, later on in, in, in our discussion, but you know, we have found some what we call hackley or, or rough textured, textured uh, gold nuggets on the property, which may uh, have come from epithermal veins. So that, that I think, is, is of great interest and, and of uh, strong potential for us on this project in that we possibly have a number of different types of, uh, of nuggets and therefore types of uh, you know, potential sources of those, of those nuggets. You know, speaking of those nuggets, uh, do they appear to be generously sprinkled throughout Montreux? Uh Look, it, what's very interesting is that we've been able to find nuggets in a number of, of places. It's, um, we've been collecting them in the northeast of the, of the project area, um, and also down the northwest, down the western side of a ridge, our project has a has a ridge line that that passes uh, down the length of the, the project area, and uh, that ridge is probably two kilometres or a bit longer. And we've we've been finding nuggets quite consistently along that that ridge line, and in some pockets they they seem to be a lot more concentrated. But as I mentioned previously, a number of the nuggets, um, particularly those in the northern areas are these flattened, what others in the area are calling melon seed-like nuggets. And they are, they are like a watermelon seed uh, in terms of even their size and their shape. They're, they're squashed and they're, they're flat. And if you look at them very closely and look at them under a, a, a magnifying glass, um, you can see little divots in them where they've been pressed and pushed against little grains of sand and other material. And, and they do look exactly like a watermelon seed. What we've, what we've also got, um, and these are <clears throat> the nuggets we've been collecting along the western side of the, of the project area. They tend to be rough and, and hackly, um, you know, very different style of, of nugget. And I think we've got some pictures on our, on our, in our presentation on our website where you can see that they haven't been squished, they haven't been squashed and rolled between this other material. So that's what's making us think that perhaps they're coming out of um, epithermal veins and we've been finding them hopefully close to their, their source. You know, you alluded to the nuggets having the watermelon seed shape, which is alluvial. How does that factor into the thesis that this may be an extension of the Wits waterrand? Well, that's a, a very interesting uh academic argument that uh, others in the area are leading. I mean, it's, it would be wonderful if, uh, if uh, the Pilbara was the same as the Ritz and was able to produce the same levels of gold. Uh, that would be a magnificent result. But uh, I think it's probably too early to, to say that you know, we have a, a similar area or similar geology or the same style or same size of, uh, of, of uh, you know, region. Uh, look, we're aligned with the thinking of our peers in the area, um, that the melon seed nuggets are part of, you know, what looks like potentially a, a marine paleoplacer system. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a long way to go, I think, in the work to be done in the area. It's uh, less than two years since the, I think, the, the, the comparison was first made. So I think there's a lot of academic and geological work that needs to be done first. Now, you're approximately 30 kilometers south of Karartha, a well-known mining town. Tell us about the infrastructure surrounding Mount Rowe. Look, it, it's an absolutely fantastic place to be. Um, 
my my past uh, history, I used to work at Rio Tinto many, many years ago, and, and I think those that know the mining industry would understand that the Pilbara is the home of the Australian iron ore industry, and uh, you have three significant iron ore producers there, Rio Tinto, BHP and uh, Fortescue, uh, as well are producing huge volumes of iron ore out of the Pilbara. So they've been, uh, those companies have been developing infrastructure in Karratha and around the Pilbara region for, you know, probably 50, 60 years now. So Karratha is quite unique in my view in, in terms of world mining. There's uh, a, a huge port there for iron ore shipments to Asia. There's a huge railway line coming in from the Rio Tinto operations. And the railway line is, uh, as the crow flies, probably five or six kilometres from, from our project area. Uh, we can drive to our project area on a sealed road, um, except for the last two or three kilometres, which is a, a dirt road. Karatha is yeah, a, a, a service and uh, uh, infrastructure um, home for the Pilbara and for the iron ore industry. So there's huge numbers of service providers there, drilling companies, equipment to hire, there's a labour force, there's uh, accommodation, there's uh, services such as hospitals and schools, etc. So it's a wonderfully established town. Um, for us, the beauty is that it means we can stay in Karratha. We don't need to build a camp, which saves us a lot of money. Um, we can obtain all the services we need at very competitive rates in town because there are so, so many providers there. There's a, an airport that uh, has numbers of direct flights to Perth every day. Um, so as remote as Karratha and as remote as the Pilbara is, it's uh, very, very well serviced. So it's a wonderful uh, location, a wonderful place to be. You know, one of the virtues you just alluded to is uh – Capital expenditures, they won't really be an issue here because the infrastructure is already in place. I can attest to it myself. I was there last year in Kawartha. Uh, but it goes without saying here, but let's, let's just clear the air here. How would you define the mining jurisdiction? Well, it's Western Australia, uh, one of the, the key mining states in Australia. Um, at a federal level, Australia is uh, a very safe and mining-friendly country. Uh, so the federal laws are, are very easy to operate in. Western Australia itself and, and the state is responsible for licensing uh, is often listed as the top three to five mining jurisdictions in the world in terms of its security of tenure, um, <clears throat> its uh, environmental management and uh, other regulations. It's, it's, a, it's a great state uh, in which to operate an exploration company. It's uh, yeah, one of the best places in the world to be and that's one of the the, the thesis if you like of nx gold we, we generally we try to operate in first world countries um in good jurisdictions where it's safe uh, where investment is protected uh, where there is rule of law and a, a consistent and even-handed approach to regulation how about community relations and specifically with the indigenous people there yeah, again, it's um, given the the work that's been done by uh, the majors on the iron ore front and uh, other explorers in the region. It's uh, the indigenous groups in Australia are, are you know, fairly sophisticated in terms of how they 
consider mining and exploration. They understand the industry and they generally work in partnership with, with miners and ex explorers. Um, our peers in the area are making good progress with uh, obtaining mining tenure, etc. So we expect that our engagement with the Indigenous groups will be of a similar ilk. Uh, one of the challenges, I think, in the area is that because of the recent interest in the area, um, there's perhaps a capacity issue and there's a lot of applications and paperwork uh, being done. So there is there is a bit of a backlog, um, I think, in terms of the, the Indigenous group's ability to deal with uh, all the all the matters in front of them. But, you know, our dealings uh, with the group so far have been you know, excellent. Um, we don't have any particular heritage issues on our ground that we're aware of, um, but we're working with the Indigenous peoples to, to make sure that we're you know, operating the right way and we're not offending anybody and that we're working with them in partnership. Please provide us with an exploration update on Mount Rowe. I'm um, sure. Look, it's um, we've had people in the field recently that uh, you know, was announced, I think, on the 8th of, of August. Our, our approach is to, even though we've we've ticked the we've ticked the main box, we've got gold on the licenses. We we you can go with a metal detector and you can pick up nuggets, pretty much basically off the ground. It's quite remarkable and is new to in my experience. Um, so now after we're taking a step back from from that. Um, and just trying to work out where this gold comes from. So we're going back to basics. Our approach is to take a very systematic uh, approach, follow a, a process of you know, mapping of soil sampling, sediment stream sampling. There's quite a lot of drainage in the area um, that we've been taking some samples from. So we, and we announced recently that we've, we've got over a kilometre of hits from um, some, some stream sampling and some panning of that visible gold in in those in those samples. Uh, so that's all now in laboratory, um, getting a, a more detailed assessment of of the material that was located was was collected at the time. So we're hoping for results from those uh, sampling uh, tasks in the next few weeks. The the labs are very busy uh, at the moment, so it is taking a bit longer than we'd hoped. But once we get those results, we're in the process of doing some geophysics as well um, that is being flown, at the, uh, uh, I think, this week. And so we'll get those results from the geophysics, we'll get the geochemistry, and then we'll work out what we're going to do next um, in the next, you know, the next phase, if you like, of the, the exploration on the ground. It may well involve um, some drilling to get a better understanding of what's going on under the ground. Um, we may consider... Uh, looking at some some large bulk samples, it does just depends on the, the results that we get uh, from the work that we've recently done. So we'll take a very systematic approach, one step at a time, and every dollar we spend has to be justified by the results that we have. Mr. McFadden, we've covered the flagship project, Mount Roll. Let's discuss your second goal project, the Kulu. Where is Kulu located and how many hectares is this project? So it's... <laughs> It's a fascinating uh, case study, if you like. Kulu is the project that we um, basically recapitalised the company on about 18 months ago. The project is in Nunavut, in uh, northern Canada, so you could not get a more different uh, place than Nunavut and 
the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Western Australia is obviously very hot and dry. None of it is uh, almost uh, Arctic conditions where, where our project is located. So our geologists love going from one to the other. Um, temperature change can be extraordinary. The, 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 the uh, Kulu project is uh, um, larger. It's about 4,000 square hectares. Um, it's, it's just north, about 40 kilometres north uh, of Rankin Inlet in Nunavut. What can you share with us regarding the lithology there? Well, the, the interesting part of this project and what, what got us so excited about it initially was that it's directly a long strike from the uh, Agnico Eagle Meliodine um, project that is currently being constructed and, and will be in operation, I think, next year, 2019. They're looking to commence production. That is a, a world-class uh, deposit uh, it will be a significant mine producing, I believe, four to 500,000 ounces a year, possibly more. Uh, it's a large deposit, many millions of ounces at a, at a significant grade. So we are uh, upstrike along the fault that uh, Meliodine is, is located on. And are the drills turning there? Look, they're not at the moment. Um, there's, we, have, we have some challenges with that project from a, an access point of view. Um, we, we, know, we don't have a surface rights licence at this stage from the Inuit Association that's based in Rankin Inlet. Uh, we're working with them to try to, to obtain that. We have numbers of walk-up drill targets there. We, we have been able to um, take advantage of previous work done on the, on the licence area and some of our own uh, geophysics that we, we did uh, last year to identify some very exciting targets where we're hoping to drill as soon as we can. Um, but working with the, the local people, we, we've been able to identify that they are concerned about drilling during the hunting season and the impact that increased activity, particularly with helicopters and drill rigs, uh, may the impact that may have on, on caribou in particular and other animals uh, that they hunt. So given the concerns that the local people have about hunting and the impact on the animals um, and their hunting activities, we have agreed that at this stage we will drill over winter only. We're not entirely sure yet. We're, we're still in discussions with the local people um, and we have a number of uh, visits and, and meetings planned uh, over the next few months to try to achieve that goal. But uh, we have all the other permits that we require uh, in order to undertake exploration activities on that license area. Mr. McFadden, before we discuss the management team, are there any reversionary interests on these projects? So with Mount Rowe, we, we have an 80% interest in that project. We have uh, <clears throat> a group of the vendors from whom we acquired the project have a 20% interest in that project. We are currently funding all of the exploration work ourselves um, and we have an obligation to fund 100% of the work through to completion of any feasibility study that, that may uh, be undertaken on that project should it get to that point. In terms of uh, the Kulu project, we are currently uh, earning into that project from the vendors. Uh, we have to meet certain expenditure obligations in order to earn our interest. But given the difficulties we're having with the 
surface licenses, those spending obligations and requirements are currently on hold pending the satisfactory uh, conclusion of, of, the, uh, of the license situation. Now, realizing that you're an exploration company, what is management's philosophy? Are you looking to build a mine or arbitrage? Look, we're, we're looking to, to build a mine. Um, you know, certainly my background in the, in the majors is that you know, the, the attitude is to you know, make a significant discovery and then progress that discovery through to, uh, through to development and, and operations. Of course, who can predict what happens in the, you know, along that journey? It's a long journey. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens at the time and, and, and take all, all interest into consideration and obviously the interest of shareholders. Switching gears, I learned from Rick Rule and Doug Casey that the people running the business are equally, if not more important, than the latent material on the ground. Mr. McFadden, please introduce us to your board of directors and what unique skill sets do they bring to NX Gold? Certainly. Look, uh, we, have a, <clears throat> we have a board that uh, has, has vast experience in the, in the mining uh, sector. Um, let's start with our, our chairman, Lee Courier. Lee is currently the uh, CEO of NextGen Energy and, and was, uh, was the founder of that, that entity. I think a lot of your listeners will be aware of NextGen Energy uh, and the, the great success that company has had in the uranium space in Saskatchewan with the Arrow deposit. Uh, worked in private equity and, and reviewed uh, numerous mining opportunities in the, in the uranium space. And prior to that, uh, he worked in a, a precursor to Uranium One um, and was heavily involved and was responsible for permitting one of Australia's uh, uranium mines. So Lee has close to 20 years' experience in the, in the resources sector. Um, he is a, a great leader of NextGen. Um, perhaps I'm a bit biased there, but I remain the chairman of NextGen. So I, I managed to see Lee operate um, <clears throat> on a regular basis and he's got a great team and great leadership and, and a, he's a very strong strategic thinker uh, in terms of project development and, and community relations etc so so Lee's great uh, to have on our board and he's a, he's a great leader of our board I'll go next to, to Trevor Teeley um, he was an Australian and he's based in South Australia so he's quite close to um, you know, our Mount Row project. Trevor is our leader of our audit uh, committee. He's uh, a financial uh, veteran uh, in the resources and, and primary industry industry uh, sector in Australia. Um, very detail focused uh, leader in the in the accounting sphere, and has a great uh, great business mind and, and great business acumen, and is very uh, very strong director. Um, we have Richard Patricio, who is based in Toronto. Richard's a lawyer by training. Um, and again, he's a very strong strategic thinker, uh, particularly on the, the, the legal side and, the, and awareness, and he's very switched, in, switched on and, and plugged into the Toronto uh, market and, uh, and people there. And finally, we have um, Carl Lofman who is a recent addition to our board, uh, is based in Perth, and Carl is uh, in the financial industry. Um, he has over 20 years' experience in capital markets uh, in Australia and internationally, and 
and he's very well connected and, again, very strong on his strategic thinking and, and his awareness of the market and, uh, and the gold, particularly the gold industry in Australia and Western Australia in particular. Tell us about Christopher McFadden. What makes him qualified for the task at hand? Well, I've been in the mining industry for over 20 years now. I'm, I'm a lawyer by training, um, and I started out uh, in Melbourne uh, legal uh, sector, particularly uh, working in natural resources and, and energy. And uh, initially, initially, I worked uh, as an in-house lawyer with Rio Tinto uh, in Melbourne and also in London. So in that 15 years, I was with Rio Tinso initially as a lawyer and then for the last seven or eight years as a commercial uh, general manager, leading teams to transact large acquisitions and large disposals, but also large uh, joint ventures on the exploration sphere. Uh, managed to work across the globe in many um, commodities, uh, various stages of uh, exploration and development. So. I would, I would say that um, yeah, with my, my global experience and my experience negotiating joint ventures and managing joint ventures and managing exploration projects uh, in many places with many different people um, in many different cultures uh, and with many different challenges because no two projects are the same. I've been able to develop a, a very strong skill set in, in mining and, and exploration in particular. What can you share with us about the technical team? Well, we, we have a, a small, we're only a small company. We have only one uh, technical team on full-time staff, and that's uh, VPX Darren Lindsay. Darren is highly experienced in gold exploration around the world with particular uh, experience in northern Canada and Nunavut in particular. Uh, Darren has worked in across the full spheres of the of the uh, gold sector he's worked in majors he's worked in juniors and he's worked in uh, development projects and he's also been a ceo in a past life so he clearly understands uh, capital markets and uh, what drives shareholders and what drives interest in juniors so he's a wonderful member of our team he's uh, technically very experienced and highly skilled and very methodical and a clear thinker. So he's he's a wonderful uh, person to work with, and uh, is uh, very very excited about our projects and, and working very hard to to make that discovery. Let's get into some numbers here. Tell us about your share structure. Sure. Look, it's a relatively simple structure. Um, the company was recapitalized in early two thousand seventeen. It was previously a shell company. We have done two capital raisings uh, since that time. So we currently have approximately 80 million shares uh, issued and outstanding. Um, we have quite a number of warrants. There's about 45 million warrants um, and about 7 million options. So fully diluted, the total is roughly 130, 135 million uh, on a fully diluted basis. How much cash or cash equivalents do you have? At this stage, um, about five million Canadian. Um, we've completed a capital raising uh, a couple of months ago, which uh, has restocked us uh, very nicely. So we, 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 we're quite well funded at this stage. And what is your burn rate? 
Uh, look, we try to run very lean. Uh, obviously, we don't have huge full-time staff. So our burn rate uh, all in, including my salary, um, is, is just over a million dollars a year, um, subject to uh, you know, travel uh, requirements. And obviously, with, with projects in different parts of the world, that, that can be you know, one of our higher costs, um, but relatively low uh, costs. Talk to us about the cash flow distribution. What is the ratio between cash spent and tangible assets on the balance sheet? Sure. Look, the, the primary focus is to put money into the ground, um, into expiration. So at least 70 75% of our cash is spent on, on expiration. How much debt do you have? Uh, we have zero debt. Who are some of your institutional investors? Look, most primarily uh, our shareholders are high net worths and uh, you know, individuals we know from from our next gen experience. So at this stage, we we don't have any you know, really large dominating institutional shareholders. What is the float? Look, it's, it's relatively small because we have some very loyal and long term shareholders and. Uh, so at this stage, I'd, I'd suggest perhaps only 20, 25 percent of the of the of the market cap would be would be the float. Are there any redundant assets such as a patent mining claim? No, there is not. At this stage, we, we really just have the two the two projects. So it's very clean. Are there any change of control fees? And if there are, what are the terms? Uh, no, not there aren't. All right, sir, you survived the storm. Mr. McFadden, multi-layered question here. What is the next unanswered question for NX Gold? When should we expect results and what will determine success? It is a multi-layered question there. That's a challenging question. Look, we, um, next results, hopefully in the next, you know, as was said before, we, we have a, a systematic approach to exploration. So we're looking for, um, results out of Mount Rowe in the next couple of weeks in terms of the, the lab results to follow up from our, on our last uh, announcement. And then from there, it, that will determine the work that's done. Um, and then I suspect you know, if, if we're drilling or, or bulk sampling, there'll be results that will flow from that. In terms of success, obviously, success would be uh, you know, a significant discovery, but uh, it's probably a bit early to... to uh, to get there, uh, if we're drilling, um, you know, success will be a better understanding of of our uh, geological setting. Um, and if we, you know, if we are pursuing those epithermal veins, well, then if we can you know, make some hits with those, that will be you know, incredible, incredibly successful, and, and, and very powerful. Mr. McFadden, we've covered the good. What keeps you up at night that we don't know about? Look, as a, as a long-term mining person, one thing that does keep me up at night, obviously, is, is safety. Um, when we get people in helicopters or, or working heavy machinery, that, 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 that's obviously a consistent stress. Um, the big one for me is, is really is Kulu and, and getting land access there. That, that, that uh, is one that is very important to us because that is a significant project uh, with great potential. Um, that's what, what keeps me awake at night other than the, the constant uh, 
concern about share price and share performance, which I think is a minute-by-minute minute, uh, <laughs> concern for every mining uh, industry professional. And last question, what did I forget to ask? Well, that was a very comprehensive interview, Morris. Uh, I'm not sure you forgot to, to ask anything, but one thing perhaps is um, just in terms of our market cap and the, the potential that that we represent um, by being in the Pilbara and also being uh, with our Kulu project. If you compare us to some of the other players in the in the Pilbara, I think it's arguable we are undervalued. So with success, I think there's great potential for our market cap to rise significantly. So I think that's that's where the interest probably lies in our in our company and the opportunity that our current relatively low share price represents. Mr. McFadden, for someone listening that wants to get more information on NX Gold, please share the contact details. I think the, the best place to start would be our, our website, uh, www.nxgold.ca. Uh, we have our corporate presentation on that uh, on the website. You can access, we obviously have uh, access to past results and we have profiles of our directors and, and senior management there as well. And hopefully it's uh, comprehensive and easy for prospective investors and those that are interested to, to follow. And as a reminder, NX Gold trades on the TSXV symbol NXN. Again, that symbol is NXN. For direct inquiries, please contact Travis McPherson at 604-816-2686. That number again is 604-816-2686. And he may also be reached at tmcpherson at nxgold.ca. And as a reminder for our listeners, NX Gold is a sponsor of Proven and Probable. And last but not least, please visit our website, provenandprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Christopher McFadden of NX Gold, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Excellent. Thanks, Morris. That was great. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.